Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 2 from the World English Bible. Now the days of David came near that he should die, and he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. You be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man, and keep the instruction of Yahweh your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to that which is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn yourself. Then Yahweh may establish his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your children are careful of their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail you, he said, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you know also what Joab the son of Zariah did to me, even what he did to the two captains of the armies of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner and to Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war on his sash that was around his waist, and in his sandals that were on his feet. Do therefore according to your wisdom, and don't let his gray head go down to Sheol in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom your brother. Behold, there is with you Shimei the son of Gera, the Benjamite of Bahurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Mahinaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by Yahweh, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, don't hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do to him, and you shall bring his gray head down to Sheol with blood. David slept with his fathers and was buried in David's city. The days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. He reigned seven years in Hebron, and he reigned thirty-three years in Jerusalem. Solomon sat on David his father's throne, and his kingdom was firmly established. Then Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. She said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have something to tell you. She said, Say on. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom is turned around and has become my brother's, for it was his from Yahweh. Now I ask one petition of you, don't deny me. She said to him, Say on. He said, Please speak to Solomon the king, for he will not tell you no, that he give me Abishag the Shunammite as wife. Bathsheba said, All right, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. The king rose up to meet her and bowed himself to her, and sat down on his throne and caused a throne 
to be set for the king's mother, and she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I ask one small petition of you. Don't deny me. The king said to her, Ask on my mother, for I will not deny you. She said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah your brother as wife. King Solomon answered his mother, Why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon swore by Yahweh, saying, God do so to me and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as Yahweh lives, who has established me and set me on my father David's throne, and who has made me a house as he promised, surely Adonijah shall be put to death today. King Solomon sent Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and he fell on him so that he died. To Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own fields, for you are worthy of death. But I will not at this time put you to death, because you bore the Lord Yahweh's ark before David my father, and because you were afflicted in all in which my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust Abiathar out from being priest to Yahweh, that he might fulfill Yahweh's word which he spoke concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. This news came to Joab, for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he didn't follow Absalom. Joab fled to Yahweh's tent and held on to the horns of the altar. King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to Yahweh's tent, behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, fall on him. Benaniah came to Yahweh's tent and said to him, The king says, Come out. He said, No, but I will die here. Benaniah brought the king word again, saying, This is what Joab said, and this is how he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he has said, and fall on him and bury him, that you may take away the blood which Joab shed without cause from me and from my father's house. Yahweh will return his blood on his own head, because he fell on two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword, and my father David didn't know it. Abner the son of Ner, captain of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, captain of the army of Judah. So their blood will return on the head of Joab and on the head of his offspring forever. But for David, for his offspring, for his house, and for his throne, there will be peace forever from Yahweh. Then Benaniah the son of Jehoiada went up and fell on him and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaniah the son of Jehoiada in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok the priest in the place of Abiathar. The king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, and don't go anywhere else. For on the day you go out and pass over the brook Kidron, know for certain that you will surely die. Your blood will be on your own head. Shimei said to the king, What you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days. At the end of three years, two of Shimei's slaves ran away to Achish, son of Maacah, king of Gath. 
they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your slaves are in Gath. Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Gath to Achish to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come again. The king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Didn't I adjure you by Yahweh and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and walk anywhere else, you shall surely die? You said to me, The saying that I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of Yahweh and the commandment that I have instructed you with? The king said moreover to Shimei, You know in your heart all the wickedness that you did to David my father. Therefore Yahweh will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon will be blessed, and David's throne will be established before Yahweh forever. So the king commanded Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and fell on him, so that he died. The kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. That is the end of chapter 2. So when King David knew he was going to die pretty soon, he has this talk with Solomon, which I think can be divided into two categories. One, he admonishes Solomon to be a godly man and king. And two, he tells him to take care of some judicial matters. The spiritual advice is true to all that God has explained to Israel, as mentioned, uh, David says, as is written in the Law of Moses. The governmental or kingly or political directions seem questionable to me for a few reasons, and I'll talk about them by the person that they are related to, since that's the order they are represented in. First, Joab. He did murder two men in a self-serving, sneaky way. Not that murder is worse for the victim in whatever way it's done, but his methods were also particularly against King David's wishes and behind his back. The question for me is, why didn't King David deal with this? And also, why did he say more than once that they were too strong for him? He was the king, after all. Now, I know we can wonder all kinds of things, like, was it because they were his sister's sons, or was it because he relied on them in battle, or was he afraid of them? But at least some of these things don't seem seem to quite hold up when considered in terms of him asking Solomon to deal with them. So Joab was still closely related to Solomon, and he was older than Solomon. And usually in that culture, um, someone older like that is due a certain amount of respect. Also, um, Solomon had one of King David's mighty men kill them, uh, uh, the captain of the guard, Benaniah. So King David could have done the same thing. And also, why wouldn't they have been important to Solomon's military? I've heard a lot of political and cultural explanations over the years, and from a worldly point of view, they seem to make sense. However, they are still conjecture, and King David was a man of God, so he had the resources to make better choices, but he made a lot of bad choices. So just because it's talked about here doesn't mean that somehow it is being marked as exactly the right thing, because we have lots of instances in the narration where somebody does something wrong and it's just simply not corrected bit by bit. And then there is also the fact that Solomon is a very young king, as we mentioned before. He was probably close to 20 years old, possibly a little bit younger, 
and it seems odd that his father, an established and powerful king, is asking him as a fresh young son to do these things that by all accounts King David seems to have been cowardly about, in particular with taking care of Joab. Barzillai is the next guy mentioned, and this is the one instruction that makes good sense to me. Remember, he was someone who was faithful at a risk to himself in difficult times when King David needed help when fleeing from Absalom, and you can read about this in 2 Samuel chapter 19. Then we have Shimei, and maybe I just don't understand, but Shimei had repented, and he had been faithful to King David ever since. So this is certainly worse than King David's murder and treachery with Uriah. I don't understand why King David hasn't really forgiven him, and his instruction to Solomon seems like a backdoor way to go back on his promise. The only thing that seems to redeem King David is how Shimei responds to Solomon, which indicates that Shimei too thought the judgment was reasonable in at least some way. In verse 12, it is emphasized again that Solomon's reign has been firmly established, and yet Adonijah is going to try and make a move on the throne through Bathsheba. It seems very political and manipulative to go through Solomon's mother, who is understandably wary of Adonijah, as indicated by her questioning of whether he is coming in peace or not. It also seems significant that Adonijah begins what he has to say with a declaration of basically, I should have been king. And that seems risky in light of what Solomon said. And it corroborates this idea that his simple request for Abishag isn't innocent. It would seem that Bathsheba should be aware of this, but we aren't told why she agreed to present the request to Solomon. She could have been a pawn in the political dealings of Adonijah, or she could have been thinking she might as well let Solomon know what Adonijah was thinking. Either way, King Solomon's reaction makes it clear that the request is an attempt to undermine his position as king, and he deals with Adonijah decisively and immediately. King Solomon probably sees it as a threat to his life as well. And then we see Benaniah have more of a place in the story than just being listed as in King David's service. But King Solomon, the current king, doesn't stop there. He goes on to deal with the other main co-conspirators in Adonijah's plot, who are Joab and Abiathar. First, he relieves Abiathar from his priestly duty, thus stripping him of influence. The narrative makes a point to that this is fulfillment of the curse on Eli's descendants, that they would not have an old man in their house, and that can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 2 towards the end of the chapter. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 3, that can help draw the connections between Abiathar and Eli. And I did a little bit of a chart. So we have Eli's son, Phinehas, who was the father of Ahitub, who was the father of Ahimelech, who was the father of Abiathar. So Eli was Abiathar's great-great-grandfather. Now Joab hears what is going on and knows he is in trouble. In this case, specifically for plotting with Adonijah. So while King Solomon doesn't officially start proceedings to execute him only for the two murders, it is part of the sentencing. And even though Joab tries to cling to the horns of the altar, 
recall that it is not a safe space for those convicted of first-degree murder. See Exodus 21.14. In verse 33, we have some judicial language such as, we have administered justice and we are no longer guilty as an administration. And it has a prophetic sound to it, and there are some things in there referring back to promises made. But we know that there won't be peace forever for those on the throne of David for a certain time period, because soon, starting with King Solomon himself, they will abandon following God. Then in verse 36, King Solomon speaks to Shimei and puts him basically under city arrest, self-monitored, and that he wasn't kept under guard exactly, he wasn't kept from leaving, he was only watched. In verse 38, Shimei, like I mentioned, does not question the pronouncement. He even says it is good, so this indicates he thought it was in some way just, but he doesn't take it seriously enough. In verse 39, if you are curious about the topic of slaves in the Bible, I refer you to my previous discussion about it, and I will put a link to that in the on the website. In verse 40, here we see some possible validation of of the previous explanation of mules from chapter one versus donkeys, as a donkey is what Chimei uses. It seemed strangely easy for him to bring his slaves back. And then Shimei is called before Solomon for violating his limited arrest, his, his limit to the city. And the punishment is death. According to verse 9, where King David says, talks about Shimei's gray head, Shimei is not a young man. And in verse 44, Solomon is referring to Shimei's cursing, which occurred in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 8. So the implication seems to be that by disregarding his instructions, which he agreed to under oath, that he can rightly be viewed as a threat to the throne based on his previous curses. Then in verse 45, uh, this is based on Yahweh's promise, but also seems to be stated for the record for court proceedings. And in carrying all of this out, King Solomon does deal with anyone who showed a sign of threatening his status as king. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 